are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Welcome to season three and episode number, uh, I don't know what it is, actually, off the top of my head. Let's say 38, let's go with that, or 39, of the uh, Not Quite Daily Beaver Morning Show. I realized that I opened up my notes, unfortunately, for uh, the next flagship that I'm writing, (laughs) not this morning's show. Okay, we got the right one. Episode number 39, I was right, of the Not Quite Daily Beaver Morning Show. For those moments when you want to get your winter's day started off right with a nice big bowl of piping hot beaver grizzly goodness. Uh, Good morning, Kit Jillian. Good morning, Kit Linda. Good morning, Kit Elaine. And good morning, Kit Saucy. Um, Is Jillian a new name, Mr. Grizzly? I believe so, yes. I believe so. Well, if you've been here before, we're sorry we've missed Um, you. And if you're new here, well, welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Today, recording day is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. And after a much chillier night than we've been having, got down to minus 16 with the wind chill here, it's going to be a brisk and sunny day here at the Beaver Lodge. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver, eh? And I'm just beyond glad that you, dear kids, have given us the gift of your attention once again. And if, or for the first time, if you happen to be new here, right? Good morning, Kit Lazy Sunday with Wade and Doe, you beautiful, beautiful people. Lovely to see you this morning. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Um, there's been lots going on, but we only have a short show for you this morning, just a nibble. So rather than getting into too much introduction, let's just say hello to our podcast's fine, fine, fine and friendly fellow. Good morning, Mr. Grizzly. How's your mental health today? 
Good morning, Mr. Beaver. My mental health is fantastic today. Oh, I love hearing that. Give yeah. me more. Tell me, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> Did she put up a fight? Ooh, that sounds like date rape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you read the lyrics to that song. That's that way. that's <laughs> rapey, man. That's rapey. Um, so yeah, I went to bed at my usual hour of eleven p.m. and then lied there till about one a.m. before I finally fell asleep. Then mm. when my first alarm went off at five, I said nope. Second alarm went off at six, and I went oh yeah. Okay, and then I'm like, no, I can go back to sleep. I can get up at 7 and I can make it for... Wait a minute, I have a show this morning. <laughs> the, the whole brain wasn't fully kick-started at that point, you know? Gotcha. So um, about four liters of this and I should be good. Mm. I hope, mm -hmm. I hope. Yeah, when the alarm rang, this, uh, I have become an old man over the past couple of days. <laughs> well, Friday I was in bed before 9.30, Yes, yes, you were. You, you turned in quite early. You missed the whole Friday, casual Friday show. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the same thing. I was in bed early. Monday, I went out for dinner with a friend who was looking for some help uh, with some conversational French. We had dinner like from 6 to 8. I got back home at around 8.15. I was in bed. I, I stretched out on the bed around 8.30. I fell asleep fully clothed. Wow. Fully clothed. 8.30 to 3.30 and I slept right through. Yesterday, it was more of a normal day. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. I thought I was going to be exhausted all day long. I was not. And I was up until like about midnight. No problem. That was me last Friday. I woke up at 3 a.m. Bingo. Wide awake. Not like, oh, I'll just roll up. No, it's like, okay, um, let's start. Three? That's, yeah. That's way too early. I, I should, right. I should, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm wide awake. So I got up and just started doing yeah. puttering. Now, admittedly by about 10 AM, I was very tired <laughs> because that's seven hours, right? It's yeah. like, that's almost a work day that, you know. Yeah. I had a bit of a dip around 10 as well, but uh, I got a second wind and no dip at all. Même chose pour moi, mon ami. I, I, I was fine. I, I mean, well, I, I went right through the day and then I, I was up till about maybe 11-ish, which is not out of the ordinary for me. So I was able to join in the, the casual Fridays with Jamie DeFiori on Blackball. So yeah, that yeah. hit, you know, I don't, somehow I made it through the day. Weird. They kind of busted your balls there. I'm so, like halfway yeah. through the show. and <laughs> I don't care. I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, they were really busting my hump. They on that were one. really busting your balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, luckily, uh, I have good. very big, broad shoulders and I can take a beating. Don't read into anything about that. That's not what I meant by that. That's not my thing. I don't like it. I don't care for it. I do not enjoy or care for pain or dominance. Nope. 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 <laughs> I'm just tough and I have a very high pain threshold. And that has to do with, you know, spending a lot of time in the hospital when you're very, very young, getting jabbed and poked and prodded and cut and x-rayed. And I just, you know, be brave, be brave, be brave is always what I was trying to be. Uh, so I would never complain. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have a very high pain threshold. Um, although, I, I, admittedly, I, as I've gotten older, I've, I've discovered that it's diminishing somewhat. Okay. I have a high pain threshold too, but for some reason, like if I'm walking and I just happen like to like bump a corner or something. Oh yeah. You drop down. Like this, even though if it doesn't hurt, it's like, they go, ow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt for some reason. My reaction is to say, ow. I become I, this big old wuss. Well, I, I find, you know, in my, in my, um, 
my line of work, uh, not these days so much, but in the past, I was, you know, always on construction sites. So, like, literally, if, if I put my arms underneath a UV light, you're going to go, oh, Paul, I didn't know you were a cutter. I wasn't. I wasn't a cutter. It's just my arms, my arms and my hands are, have, are scraped yes. everywhere from working on construction sites. Yep. So, it, you know, like literally I did that once a year ago and they go, oh my goodness. I go, no, no, it's from work. Like my hands are, the scars that show up under UV light, you, you would be astonished. <laughs> it's, well, it's disturbing. Not, not if you were construction, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, that's, and, that's, that's a rough job. Well, and, and the construction I worked in was in telecom. So yep. we were building networks. So you're working around sharp metal objects constantly, yep. you know. So, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm cut up left, right, center, backwards, forwards. I also used to do, you know, telecom on from, from a... Uh, I've done everything there is to do in telecom, from literally digging a ditch to lay a cable in it, to climbing a pole in minus 60 in the windshield to splice fiber, to... Jeez. Oh yeah, to 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 work in the in the head end or or the central office where you make all the connectivity for the the telecom company that you're working for to uh, setting up networks from a software standpoint behind a keyboard in an operational theater. So everything there is to do in telecom, I've done. All right. Except except make scads of money like <laughs> the big yes. companies. <laughs> oh man uh all right uh let's get to good it morning yeah good morning kit jen good morning kit mike h and uh kit jillian does confirm it is the first time watching so yay welcome the, welcome to the full be jillian guest. be our guest yes. you'll, i think you'll enjoy the chat uh there's a wonderful uh, group of people a, gr a great community that we're, we're building and everybody is just great and welcoming be nice be kind and as as mr beaver always says we welcome gentle corrections if we make a mistake let us know but don't hit us over the head with a hammer i've had multiple concussions i can't have any more okay <laughs> <laughs> all right uh do you usually have something with which you want to start so couple, you have something couple of little things couple of little things yeah first one let's let's pop this one up so we can drive all the uh, RWNJ's crazy. Here it is. This is uh, President Biden. It's always yes. great to see my friend Prime Minister Trudeau. The United States and Canada share a unique bond and close friendship. Together we will continue to confront some of the Western Hemisphere's greatest challenges together. And they're sitting together on in chairs, leaning over, smiling and shaking hands. Of course, somebody's going to pick on Justin for his socks, which I find are, are pretty cool. And the brown shoes with the blue suit works perfect. You know, the man's got some style yeah. sense. So I yeah. thought I'd start with that. Let's start with that. Then I've got another thing. This 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 is a Shandon Freud right here. Uh, Romanian court rejects Andrew Tate's appeal of a 30-day arrest. Mm -hmm. um, a Romanian court upholds Andrew Tate's arrest on human trafficking. A court in Bucharest upheld the 30-day arrest of self-described misogynist Andrew Tate on charges of organized crime and human trafficking. Oh, because of course they did. Of course they did. And this is an interesting one right here. Um, I'm, I'm, I decided not to put this tweeter's name in. I just copied the, the, the text from the tweet because, uh, because of the, the wording of the tweet and I don't want to add to anything. So I'll just put it up. It says, this is potentially going to get me ratioed, but I think that closing Moraine Lake to personal vehicles is a, makes a lot of sense and is perfectly reasonable. I wholeheartedly 100% agree with that statement. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar, Moraine Lake is in Banff, in Alberta. It is one of the most picturesque scenes you could ever imagine. 
you are not allowed any sort of motorized uh, water vehicle. So a boat or a, a, a boat with a motor, not allowed. Uh, um, a, a sea dude, not allowed. Nothing with a motor that could spew any sort of toxic sludge or oil or anything into the water because it is so pristine and perfect. And this, this is what we're talking about. No, 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 we'll bring you, we'll make you park way outside. We'll bring you in on a shuttle bus or you can hike in or bike in on a bicycle, but we're not, we're not, there's no need. Why would you want to ruin that pristine, absolute natural beauty? My goodness gracious. It's stun- I've been there a number of times. You know, I used to live in Alberta for those who say I'm nothing but a soy boy, liberal cuck. <laughs> upper middle class wealthy living in a million dollar condo none of those things are true i'm working class i I need to reiterate that because there's new people joining in for the first time i'm a i'm a working class stiff who worked in construction for 29 years i uh, am not a member of any political party and i voted for all the major ones throughout my life so i don't belong to any political party so there oh and i'm allergic to soy i like a uh, a ribeye rare with a side of Guinness and a whiskey neat. There you go. There you go, kids. Coffee now black, you know. coffee black. <laughs> Please, you're going to start sounding like Nick Adams there. You don't want to do that. No, no, I would never say that. You know, <laughs> you know his tag, his tag. I'm like, oh, come on. If you have to tell people you're an alpha, you aren't. You're not. You're not. <laughs> yeah, me and the All boys right. go to Hooters for chicken wings to prove how much alphas we are. What? No, what? No, you want to know? You want to know what an alpha do- dog is? Is is the there's a gentleman on TikTok, um, and people are always, "What is wrong with men today? Why aren't they real men?" And he has two young daughters, and he goes, "This is us!" And they come in with like some loud, heavy duty death metal, and he's in a tutu with makeup on, and his fingers are painted, and so is so are his daughters, and they're like, "Where?" party yeah and playing norwegian death metal (laughs) i'm like that's an alpha male you don't believe me the man can do what his daughters ask of him without question that's an alpha male yep and does it on camera does it on camera for all the world to see if i can find (laughs) his tiktok i'll show it to you because it's bloody brilliant (laughs) um well uh talking about that image you showed us um the that's from uh the north american leader summit formerly known as the three amigo summit uh which they don't call it that anymore (laughs) (laughs) because they wanted to get away from that image of the uh, (gasps) yeah <laughs> For those um, of you who are too young to know, we're talking about a film from the 1980s starring yes. Chevy Chase, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. You can look it up, The Three Amigos. Yep, yep. Um, so uh, they uh, apparently, the, the apparently, apparently, ever since you showed me that clip, know, that it's stuck in your head, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> not apparently, it happened. <laughs> I should keep a loop of him, just apparently, I'll have to upload a loop. It happened uh, uh, on Monday. Uh, President U.S. President Joe Biden met with Mexican uh, President, uh, often goes by the uh, the acronym AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, uh, and uh, they had some uh, bilateral talks at the beginning. Um, 
uh, that evening, uh, the spouses and the leaders all dined together. And then the next day, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau joined uh, for a trilateral meeting with the other two as well as a bilateral meeting with uh, President Joe Biden, uh, in which uh, we made a commitment uh, to help Ukraine with uh, some missile defense. Uh, we agreed to purchase something uh, that we would send to them. Uh, I don't have all the details yet um, because it's still yeah, fresh. Generally, I generally give you news sometimes about mm-hmm. a day or two later when I have time to actually put some thought to it and you know collate a couple of things together and view more than one source. I saw a comment uh, about that. Where, where somebody says, so what are we now, a broker for uh, Ukraine's weapons? It's like, no, it's a multilateral agreement. This is, a, do you know how the world works? Apparently not. Yeah, really. Uh, and uh, the other big news is that uh, President Biden uh, finally is going to be coming to Canada uh, sometime in March. It's been announced. Um, it's a little surprising that it takes that long because uh, most often uh, Canada is the first visit yes. that the U.S. president uh, makes. Um, he's, so yeah, because he's been in power for over two years now and he hasn't been here yet, which is usually it's yeah. within the first three to four months, right? Yeah. Now, of course, he had an insurrection. <laughs> so we had an occupation. so That, that kind of changes the schedule. <laughs> it throws things off um, a little. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we are a trusted partner and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, I guess we can always be like put back a little, but usually it's the first one because it's an opportunity, you know, PR wise, a safe opportunity for the president to make yes. his first international visit in a friendly country. We're not, to, nothing too much controversial is going to happen. So, um, but uh, that didn't happen this time. Um, but he will be coming uh, in March. So that is good. Um there are other things that have happened there. Of course, uh, President Biden uh, got a little thrown off message due to the fact that uh, documents were found uh, at his old offices, classified documents mm-hmm. were found that. at his old offices uh, at uh, the Penn Center uh, for Diplomacy and Global Engagement at the University of Pennsylvania, where he was an honorary professor in between the time he was vice president and president. Um but there are big differences between that and the Donald Trump case, of course, because uh, it was his own personal lawyers who were cleaning up the office. And again, that happened late, right? Because he's been president since 2020 and they're only cleaning up the office now. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, his lawyers found the documents. Uh, they found about 10 documents. Some of them are marked top secret. Some of them are marked SCI, uh, which is... Um, Oh, darn it. Secret compartmented uh, information, I believe. It's SEI. Um, and, of course, those that's about where the similarities end, however, with <laughs> Donald Trump. So you have all the Republicans going, oh, yeah, yeah, there's two standards and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's where the similarities end because apparently, again, not apparently, because <laughs> according to reports, I should say, uh, the president's lawyers uh, called the White House that very day and the White House called the National Archives that very day and the documents were given back to the National Archives that next day. Uh, the documents, the National Archives was not aware they were missing. Because if you want to know where anything is in life, ask a librarian. True. Or <laughs> an archivist, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was a little surprising. Uh, but there were documents from about 2013 to 2016, um, unlike a former, thankfully, former President Trump, who was asked to surrender the documents right away and then didn't. And then they had to 
uh, tried to negotiate with him for months, and then he gave some back and said he get everything. He gave everything, and he didn't. And then they had to get a search warrant, which he fought. And then they found some more. And then archives thought they still didn't have anything. And Trump's lawyers did another search and found a couple more documents. And nobody in Trump's team wants to sign a legal document saying that all the documents have indeed been found and surrendered. <laughs> <laughs> so not at all the same thing. Uh, and, you know, while the Republicans are going to try to make big hay uh, on this, you know, basically, you know, saying that they're both the same thing. Um, what we're having right now is an exercise in tone and countertone, as I mentioned often, and which, you know, is what you want to do in politics. Uh, adopt the right countertone, uh, as in the president is actually doing what he needs to do once documents are found, as opposed to the other one who has not. Um, so, you know, you're going to hear a lot of BS about that over the next couple of days, but uh, there's probably not going to be much there. Uh, of course, the Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed, asked a Trump-appointed uh, local Attorney General, the one from Chicago, to do the investigation, just like he asked the only other remaining <laughs> Trump uh, um, District Attorney General, I think they're called District Attorney Generals, I'm not quite sure what the real term is there, uh, to look into the one on Hunter Biden's laptop. So that way, the Trumpists won't be able to say, oh, it was rigged, but mm -hmm. they're going to say that anyway, right? Because if you don't find the things that you want, that they want you to find, that they claim exists but probably doesn't, then, you know, then they turn around and they say it was rigged or somebody did something wrong, right? That's just the playbook. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. So, but that's basically what's going on there. Uh, the president basically sidestepped everything for the first few days, but uh, then uh, for the first while when he was asked about it, just choosing to remain quiet, and then uh, finally he spoke out on it. Uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you what he said because I didn't have time to write it down, and I don't remember it off the top of my head, and I don't want to give you incorrect information, but I will update with that uh, when I'm able to do that. Uh, on... In other political news, uh, the former finance minister, Bill Morneau, uh, granted an interview uh, to CTV, uh, her uh, Sunday morning political show question period, because he's got a book coming out. Of course. Of course. Let's of course. plug the book. <laughs> right. And uh, media is trying to make this uh, be salacious. Uh, because he does say some things, you know, there were leaks around the time where the finance minister uh, left his position. Uh, of course, he was mired in a little bit of scandal as well with regard to, to the WE affair. Um, and uh, he's trying to make it seem... Uh, after the fact that there was a lot of tension between him and the prime minister uh, and that um, he's trying to frame himself as someone who was trying to be a little more fiscally responsible than the prime minister was. Uh, and, you know, especially in this era of inflation. Uh, so I guess he's trying to, I would say that he's trying to frame his next step with a little bit of revisionist history um, because, you know, People, people construct their own narratives. Of course, themselves. of course. Let's put it that way. Uh, no, I'm, but the problem I'm is, the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> oh, you are? I thought I was the most interesting man. No, in the world. no. That don't you see my most interesting man in the world beard? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. You've got me. You are <laughs> definitely the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> um, so uh, it's. But when you listen to the interview, it's not a it's not a 
Jody Wilson Raybould style, you know, set fire to the whole place on the way out. Um, Pour the gasoline and toss the match. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that everything he says, he's basically hedging. Mm-hmm. Right? There's always a little bit of a qualifier, which is kind of interesting uh, when he's talking. So he's got a lot of like phrases like, thinking back, it's natural that there's tension between a finance minister and a prime minister. Well, of course, that is. To be fair to both sides, what the prime minister and his team were trying to do appropriately is, right? it's not this government, it's every government that will be faced with the challenge of. Mm. So, you know, there's all these like little qualifiers, you know, did you think that the prime minister was a bad manager? Well, I think everyone can do better. I think we could have done better while I was there. I think that the government can do better now. So they're always hedging, right? But he was trying to create some distance. So it came across as a bit tiny passive aggressive and our former finance minister two of his problems was is that when he wasn't a very good politician and two he wasn't a particularly good communicator and that kind of shone through in this uh interview because you really wasn't really weren't sure what his point was really because why would you try to make a point uh i'm guessing he's maybe a little sharper in the book about these points mm. uh but in interview it's almost like he doesn't want to like i said he wants to create the, this impression that there is some distance without i don't even want to say poking the bear just without you know striking a match he's trying to have right. it both ways I'm it, guessing. It, it, so it comes across as a little weak or wishy-washy in the interview that would be called as the double-headed saying, dildo <laughs> well no just opposed to saying you know like this we, we disagreed like for example um when the when covid hit he wanted to give people a 10 percent on wage supplement mm-hmm. and the prime minister decided it was going to be 75 now that's a big difference of opinion huge difference of opinion but that's now, 75 saved lives 10 would not have been enough no. and they had first announced 10 and they got roundly criticized because Denmark and other countries had already announced 70, right? So he basically convinced the prime minister to go 10, and they went public with that news. And then they got raked over the coals. That's bad politician. Yes. Right? Morneau did not read the room well and that kind, and then, you know, made the government vulnerable. Um, other things that he. Um, that he did uh he only wanted a one-year freeze on the employment insurance benefits but the prime minister ended up doing that for two years and uh during the covid uh crisis itself morneau brought forward legislation that allowed unlimited tax and spend powers without parliamentary oversight which everybody jumped on to consider as a power grab i personally had no problem with that given how fast things had to move if they had to make some changes uh but you know People had a big problem with that, uh, but he's the one that proposed that policy and wrote the legislation and went out, and that left the government vulnerable yet again. Uh, one, because, mainly in this part, because it was very, very poorly communicated, because I'm sure that many people uh, would have understood had it been explained in the context of needing to move fast and break things, rather than we're just going to do this. And we're just and th- need that terrain for that needed to be prepared. You needed to be talking about that for a few weeks publicly to sort of build rather than just introducing legislation boom we're doing that because then it does you leave your it does not necessarily that it looks like a paragraph but you leave yourself open to have all your enemies or your political opponents who you know are just waiting there for you to frame something in the Mm -hmm. wrong way and twist it that you're trying to power grab so you kind of set the people up 
for that. And then, of course, you know, he had um, some scandalettes, let's put it this way, uh, with regard uh, to We Charity, where the ethics commissioner had uh, decided that while Prime Minister Trudeau didn't break any rules, because, of course, the money in the WE program was flow-through money that was going to go to students, and there was absolutely nobody in his family right, who was a student or could have benefited from that or got a public speaking gig as a result of that uh, when it came to Morneau. Um, the, prime, uh, the ethics commissioner had determined that his relationship with Craig Kielberger specifically was one of friendship. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about Mary Ng and Almanda Alvaro, um, you're right that... Uh, you know, one had been at the other one's wedding. Well, when Craig Kielberger, Craig Kielberger was about to have a child, like this, he shared that news with Morneau personally. Yes. Right. So, you know, they were friends. It, it, it um, just, it, it, the optics weren't great. Weren't great. Like this. And part of what the ethics commissioner is doing is defining what a friend means, right? Mm-hmm. So is the Aga Khan a friend versus is Craig Kielberger a friend versus is Almond Al- Al- Alvaro a friend? Because it's friends and family, right? In the ethics right. law. Um, so, and the ethics commissioner had decided that Morneau broke the federal ethics law in three ways. One, by failing to recuse himself from cabinet's decision to outsource the $900 million student volunteer grant program to the organization for, because it was a friendship relationship for allowing his staff to disproportionately assist we because of his ties to co-founder Craig Kilberger, right? A lot of his staff were showing up at we events, for example, and it was a job requirement apparently, to be there, mm. and uh, then for fur- ultimately improperly furthering Wee's private interests. Um, so he, it's two years later, and memories sometimes are short, but that's the way he went out. And yes, there were leaks, you know, saying that there was some tensions between them, and yes, probably those leaks came from the prime minister's office in order to encourage him to go. And when Morneau left, he said he was leaving to pursue the secretary general position at the OECD, which... He did not get. Uh, he had to bow out uh, on the penultimate round of voting because he just didn't have the votes. Um, so, and then we haven't heard much from him since then. No, so, we've not. So, yeah, this is sort of like his. Again, not that he had that much to rehabilitate. He just wasn't a very good politician or communicator. It's not like he was like incredibly scandalous. Not or, everybody's got or terrible. That, right? it, it, it just wasn't his thing. Just wasn't his thing. And he was finance minister for the first five years, which is a pretty long tenure for a finance minister, actually. They usually switch out a little more, a little faster than that. I would think, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he had basically become a liability, so he did have to go. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it just struck me a little more as a framing exercise for his legacy so he can move on to his next step. Uh, But, uh, you know, I would have, I think I would have had a little more respect for this had he, actually taking a firm position said, yes, I did support 10% and here's why. Yeah. As opposed to saying, well, I could have done better and they could have done better. And, you know, I think the prime minister... Finger uh, of blame. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, I was... uh, Yes, we all have to be focused on, like, you know, letting people know that they're going to be okay and comfortable. But as a finance minister, I have a secondary consideration to the long-term view on things, right? The things that we do need to plan for the next 20 years. And since we're all victims of the 24 seven news cycle that, you know, uh, the disadvantage of that is that it takes your eye off the ball when it comes to long-term planning, which is all true, which is all true. But 
a little more steel in the spine as to what his differences were uh, without you know, trying to set the, mat, the place on fire probably would have been more to his advantage in the exercise that he pursued. Um, so there you go. That kind of happened. A um, couple things. The other thing. I've got hmm? a couple of quick things. A couple oh, of quick please. things. Yeah, because we, we, we are, don't have a lot of time. i got to. Yeah. I got a heart out in 10 minutes. So a couple of quick things. One, um, there was there was somebody yesterday who, who, who rambled on. Oh, it was Mark Strahl. That's right. Rambled on and oh. kind of, um, Son of Chuck. defecated upon the minister of transport. And here's the tweet. The liberal transport minister must be held accountable for the second consecutive peak travel season that turned into chaos for many Canadian passengers. Conservatives led the effort to have the minister airlines and airports appear at the transport committee to provide answers. Okay. So Mark, first off, um, no government controls the weather yet. No government controls the weather. Number one, we had a massive winter storm right before Christmas. Okay. Also, you see that um, airlines understaff the airport and their flights so that they can lower their overhead and overbook passengers so they can increase the profit margin for their shareholders. If you mm-hmm. want to change that, that means you have to nationalize them, which means... That makes you a gatekeeper. Like, yeah. You know, you know the, the old saying, uh, um, better to keep your mouth shut than to open it up and, 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 and let the world think you're an idiot than to open it up and remove all doubt. This is, I'm paraphrasing because it's fool, not idiot, but this, this is exactly what this is. It's like, did you think before you spoke? Clearly, clearly you did not. Yeah. And what, and what you're saying about uh, that type of stuff, I mean, the, the weather was one, and in the earlier iterations, it was COVID. COVID. There, there simply right. weren't staff available because people were sick. Yes, and the airlines decided that they were going to sell as many seats as possible without any communication whatsoever with CBSA and, mm-hmm. you know, and airport security and all that kind of stuff to make sure that there were the resources on the ground to handle the amount of passengers that they were going to send them. Same thing with passports and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they didn't have to do that, but with passport offices, it was the same thing. Right? Exactly. So many people were pulled off their files in order to make sure that people were kept afloat and nobody was traveling. And then so somebody and, was processing. And then they all complained, we need more people hired in those positions. I thought you wanted less government. Like, which which is it? Make up your goddamn mind. Well, and here's the thing, right? With that McKinsey thing that's happening now that we'll get into in another episode, that's the same thing, right? They're going, well, why did you get outsourcing when you had like public servants to do that? Because the public servants were all pulled off their files to make sure that people had money. Like, you, you know, it's, it's just complain for the sake of complaining, never providing an answer or, or a solution. Just point the finger of blame constantly. Without yep. ever, ever telling anybody why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And what the liberal and government is terrible at is, is yes. saying, well, this is what we did and this is why we did it. They just yes. roll with the, I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta start to toot your own horn, man. Cause if you don't, they're going to jump on you. And, and if they find a crevasse, they will jump into it and wedge it apart. And it's yep. just, it's disgusting. It, like, here's another one, another quick one. Oh, hold on. I just got to finish that. That second sentence in that tweet. Yes, conservatives, conservatives led the led effort to have the minister airlines up here at the transport committee to provide answers. That's actually a lie. Um, the effort was led by the chair of the transport committee and I don't remember his name, but who is a liberal, who he's the one that asked Via and Sunwing to come in and ask the minister of transport to come in. That's right. And the minister of transport has agreed. So it's like 
It's not like they're being dragged, kicking and screaming and whatnot, because everybody knows in the party that they're on the right side of this. So, I mean, he starts off with a stupid statement and then ends it with a lie. Yes. Oh, my. So, so the brown man with the muzzleby name must be held accountable for... Yes. Yeah. And Omar was the one who went on television and said, said it was unacceptable. this is unacceptable. He was the first one to come out and say that. And he's also making the distinction that I'm not saying it's unacceptable because of the weather. I'm saying it's unacceptable to leave people on a train for That's 24 right. hours not telling them what's going on. That's correct. It's unacceptable. Like this too. The weather's the weather. We can't control yeah. that. We understand that. It's unacceptable for you to not be automatically delivering your refunds and whatnot to passengers considering this situation, right? And he's also initiating uh, another legislative review to try and change uh, the compensation rules to make sure that airlines are doing what they need to do because airlines are, of course, resisting. Yeah, well, they're like, well, and of course, uh, and to get rid of the 30,000 backlog complaint, because apparently only the eight members of the board of the Canadian Transportation Association were able to adjudicate. And apparently they're going to try to make some changes like for the things that are really obvious that a lower level staff can say, yeah, this is of course like rubber stamp this to send out the $300 check or whatever. So there are changes coming, but all of these are at the initiative of the Liberal Party itself, not by, not from the Conservatives. There you go. So not let's just bring up one more thing here quickly. Canada's F-35A, Canada's future fighter. Um, so $19 billion, I think, is the... Uh, that's the amount that Minister Anand announced. Yes. I'm saving that one for the flagship. Okay. I'm doing a write-up on we'll that. We'll go into detail on that. I wanted to bring it up, though, because who, who, so who was it who purchased these? What, who was in, who's the Prime Minister? Oh, that's right, Justin Trudeau. And who was the Prime Minister the last time we upgraded our fleet of fighter jets? Oh, that's right. His father, Pierre Trudeau. Yeah. 1978, the order was placed for the CF-18s, and they were delivered, I think, they started to deliver in 81, or was it 82? Can't quite remember. But it's funny how the conservatives love to go on about how they're all about the military and this and that when they close Veterans Affairs offices, uh, offices, and they close military bases, and they close this and they close that. And the liberals are the ones who are always refilling the supply lines. Historically mm -hmm. speaking, that is an undeniable fact. Yep, and now you also have uh, you also have uh, Pepe von Snipes uh, going all over the internet saying, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau promised he would never buy these. Now he's buying eighty eight. It's like, dude, you wanted to buy them too. There's a lot you of issues involved too. here. There's a lot of issues involved with it, and and yeah. Hughes. But, but here's the thing, right? He wanted to buy them too. We're now we're buying them. So why are you complaining? You're complaining because he said he wasn't going to buy them, and now he is going to buy them. Mm -hmm. It's like, you wanted them. He's giving you what your party want. And the only reason we didn't have them before is because you guys screwed up. Royally. Screwed up the, the contract, the, the competition and everything so badly, so badly that the auditor general called you out and that the public backlash was so much that you had to pull back. So Isn't that why he was later, held in contempt of parliament? Wasn't uh, that the, the, the spark for that? I'd have to double check on that. I always thought it was something about Afghanistan, but it wasn't because I had looked into that. Yeah, I, I think ago. it was and because right, of that. It might, be, it might have to be because of that, yeah, because they were asking for documentation and that did not happen. Ironically, they're asking for documentation now on everything about McKinsey. <laughs> we want the emails and all that kind of stuff. And just the quick take on that one, they're not going to find anything essentially here. So, I mean, um, Skippy's going way out on the ledge. Like, we need to know why and what this money was happening and why this organization has such undue influence, right? Because the main issue, very short with McKinsey, is that the Harper government had spent about $2.2 million on them and the Trudeau government spent about 66. Now, 
the big story is the difference in the numbers. Mm -hmm. But sixty six mm -hmm. million dollars over the course of our like budget is like not even a ripple in the ocean, as Chantal Hebert mentioned on uh, on uh, the bridge with Peter Mansbridge. And um, she's so, she is one of Canada's finest journalists. Right. So it's the spread between the amounts. But a lot of the amounts had to do with something with a digitization of processes and transformational digitization and lots of stuff having to do with uh, Canadian border services and immigration. And for that type of stuff, that expertise probably is not within the public service. And then, of course, you have the fact with regard to immigration and transportation, CBSA, a lot of people were pulled off files. And yeah. then we had to come up with new policies on the fly. So mm. the, he's going... This one is ill-advised. It's like when uh, Andrew Shear said, like two days into the we thing, that uh, that the prime minister should resign, and you know, and we should call the police because this is criminal. And there was nothing there. There was nothing there. So he's going way out on the limb, a little too early, a little premature enunciation. Let's just call it that. That's good. I like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I, I, you, I've noticed here in the comments that uh, Rhiannon was like, "We should. You need to get Hugh back on the show." And I'm like, "Yes, actually, we uh, we yes. should. We, we need. An, here it is. We ha we need another show with Hugh. I think. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. And Hugh, welcome back. We've not seen you in a couple of days. Uh, glad to have you back, brother. Um, and yeah, you are correct, sir. There are complications. Um, we've always been terrible at at procurement for the military. Uh, that's no secret if, if I grew up in, the, you know, a military brat, a military family. So, uh, yeah, well aware of, of the complications. Let's go all the way back to the, the uh, Ross rifles. That's where it began. And then we can look at the Avro Arrow and, and how Diefenbaker killed that, effectively destroying um, the, the engineering core of Canada because the bulk of the engineers that built the Avro Arrow went on to either work for Lockheed which built the SR-71 Blackbird, the fastest aircraft ever built, or uh, were, were key parts of the team that landed man on the moon in 1969. All factual. All Canadian engineers, they were hired left, right, and center right after uh, Avro was shut down because, I mean, they were the best in the world at what they did. It was a mm -hmm. massive brain drain. Absolutely, Hugh. You're right. So we let's let's we'll try and arrange, uh, uh, Mr. Beaver, if you could uh, get in touch with Hugh to make arrangements when we could get him on next, because uh, I I got I got to run in like two seconds. So <laughs> yep, yep. We got. Uh, I have winder a much more stuff to tell you, Kits, but uh, we got to wrap up. Uh, but Friday we got, we got lots of time. news and and other things, but yeah, we'll do it Friday. Um, Kits, that's the end of this episode of Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beaver podcast. We hope you love listening to us because we loved making this for you. I have to speed through this to help Mr. Grizzly get to where he needs to be. Uh, because democracy is something you do, please donate to the Red Cross or HEMA Quebec. Their blood banks are low, particularly for type O negative and platelets. So if you can help, please do. If you really like this podcast, you can find us on the Dean Blundell Network as well as anywhere you get your podcasts featuring a grizzly bear and a beaver. If you're on Apple or on Google, and you can give us reviews, give us some stars. It helps. Um, if you have any feedback, you can reach us on our Facebook page, our Twitter at TrueEager, and our email is TrueNorthEagerBeaver at gmail.com. Subscribe to us via our pod page, podpage.com slash the TrueNorthEagerBeaver with a hyphen between each one of those words. Uh, we are live streaming on Cryer Media, Media YouTube channel as well. So if you're Cryer, C-R-I-E-R, Media, which is a new thing. If you really like this podcast and you wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Our tip jars at coffee, ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. 
ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. Thank you, Jillian, for saying it's a great place to start the day. Get Jillian, we really appreciate that. Um, and finally, if you'd rather get something for your money and just not leave us a tip, we've got merch for you. T-shirts in six designs and sizes from small to 3XL. You can get that at deanblundell.square.site slash s slash shop. So there you go. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your Eager Beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourself. A uh, little programming note, our Friday show won't be as long because I am traveling and I need to be at the train station for 9, and I might not be able to do a Monday show because my train out is at 8 a.m., uh, so I probably won't be able to broadcast. So we probably will not have a Monday morning show, and the Friday show will be shorter than, a little usual, than usual. Mr. Grizzly, do you have some words of wisdom for us? bundle up today it's a little chilly outside uh, put on some uh, if you have wool wear wool it'll keep you warm and regulate your body temperature there you go wear wool all right miss grizzly please roll with the credits the true north eager beaver podcast is an eager beaver mr grizzly collaboration research story and guest curation and copy written by the eager beaver recording production editing and additional research by mr grizzly Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kits, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. We had Kit Saucy goes, how dare you have a life? <laughs> <laughs> love you, Kits. All right, we'll see you. Take care. Bye. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, Hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.